It's Open Mouth Syndrome with Elmo Kirkwood and Derek Bostrom. I have uh, the same sort of a situation that you have in that I use social media and I am always struck by how the distance between what I think my life is like and what other people think my life is like. Right. And apparently what I think my life is like matters very, very little. Oh, well, of course. And then there's that, the adage, perception is reality, right? Well, which is like whose perception? Exactly. Where, where do they cross paths? Because I'm sure like for yourself, like myself, there's not much affecting of my perception of my reality based on what other people think. But if I take the time to consider that, it begins the twist. Right, right, right. And you start to think to yourself, like, where do people gather these ideas? Well, that's where social media comes in. Right. Now, I've gotten into <laughs> trouble a couple of times on social media recently. Myself as well. There was one instance where I was on the Reddit and somebody was like, I've never done RSD before, record store day. So what should I do? And I responded, well, what you want to do is support your local record store. And the guy gave me a lot of fucking shit about it. How? I just wanted to know. I didn't need a bunch of wise-ass comments or whatever. So, so, so you're being clever just by giving him an answer. An actual answer. Right, a response that's actually based in reality. So I was like, all right, asshole, here's how I'll break it. Let me break <laughs> it down for you. Record Store Day creates a false sense of scarcity. Right. This isn't Black Friday at Walmart. This is supposed to be a situation where you're supporting record stores. Meanwhile, consumers are only interested in getting what they want when they want it because they want it. <laughs> and they don't care about supporting the local record store. Oh, no. Meanwhile, the local record store is suddenly in the business of crowd control. <laughs> it's like almost the most punk rock thing about it. The most absolute sort of fuck you, but in the most honest of ways, it's... It's really interesting when we got back together and I hadn't seen you since I was a kid, it was this missing puzzle piece because there's this thing about, you know, my dad and Chris. Well, those guys are, they were much more uh, noticed the, the, the cues of like success than I was. And like <laughs> Kurt was very, you know, driven to, uh, to succeed. Right. Um, in spite of his own hatred of what he, maybe not hatred, but his like, he's the kind of guy where. Say it's a really good show, right? And you can see that he knows that. And he comes off stage. You can see it on his face, right? And then something in the back goes, you're not supposed to be having fun. You're not to enjoy this. And then it's like, click right over, right? But he knows it. <laughs> he knows what it is. And he spent so much time working his ass off to make that happen because of whatever his fucking crazy shit is that drives him. People see in him what they want to the most. Well, yeah, they also have, you know, this hilarious interpretation of who he is as a person from his art, which people do, right? They're always going to conflate the art with the artist. His is a particularly hilarious one. To me, there's so much honesty in what he writes, but at the same time, it's also really incongruous with the human he is and how he participates in culture and society. You know what I mean? It's really funny. People have this, like, the beauty of the Kirkwood thing and, like, oh, he's just majestic animal and i'm like this gone dude down, is a, that's the weirdest thing because i don't see him as a beautiful majestic thing at all right right i'm like this is just a fucking dude from the west side who <laughs> the finished product is so twisted from what it starts with yes like if you were to ask him what his songs were about right you would which, never guess what his song was about oh no and even if he tells you you know there's little sparks and moments where 
if you know him intimately at all and have spent time around him, you can hear stuff and you can yourself try to piece together. Go, oh, I think he's talking about himself right here. But you still have no fucking idea. So, for instance, the song Things. Right. He told me that's one of the few songs where I actually set out to have it be about something. You know what that something was? What? Take a guess. I have no idea because that, that to me seems like a more irreverent song. That It's a song about a serial killer. <laughs> Any particular one? The handsome one? Oh, the handsome one. Well, Ted Bundy? Yeah, one of those guys. I don't remember which. Richie Ramirez is a night stalker. What did Richie Ramirez do again? He killed people in some context. I can't remember. They're all totally fucking ridiculous in their own right. I actually just watched um, a death row interview with John Wayne Gacy. He's he's proclaiming his innocence the whole time. Again. Just hilarious. (laughs) It's like... No, but dude, like, <laughs> no, just no. It doesn't matter if you did it or not. They found the bodies in your house, and that's all the law needs. I understand that you have a problem with the law. We all do. Someone also escaped after you tried to do it, and, you know. He's an interesting character. Well, of course, but anybody that lives in the fringes, right? Well, see, that's what we think. We think that we right. want to be here, and right. I would agree with that. We're not too far, like to the uh, no, no, extremities no, 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 no. of Come that. Fred and I were talking the other day about this, like you know, oh, we like our psychedelics and we like our weird shit, you know, blah blah blah. And then we started to laugh because it's like <laughs> we're so far from being really fucking far out, like some people are, like pretty much like normal people, just you know, skewed a bit to like have a more open mind or. What I suppose is one. When I was hearing somebody using the word normal the other day, and I'm like, compared to what? What's yeah, normal? What is normal? Like, uh, I was watching something, and it showed a clip of uh, those stalwart young white men who had gone into Charlottesville several years back with their tiki torches from Home Depot. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was thinking to myself, like, these people are, this is what they think of themselves, or they believe themselves to be representatives of what they believe is a white culture, right? Well, they're battling for normality. Right, right. So they have their little little short shorts on with their tucked-in shirts and their, like, you know, their boat shoes on. And they're the most vanilla, fucking boring version of anything you can get. I'm thinking to myself, man, like, I don't, I don't claim this. (laughs) Like, I don't claim them. Those, those are not my version of white people. But then I started to think, well, what the fuck is my version of any people? Like, I've always thought to myself, which I realize as I get older is total bullshit, but like I want to exist in like a world, you know, where the culture is just human culture, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I do understand that I have <laughs> been given this privilege to believe that because of the ease of lifestyle of being a white dude in America in the time that I am. And my perceptions are totally based off that. I have no reference points otherwise. Yeah, but how, once you take that level of relativism, you can't win. No. I mean, I agree. I go from the need to pee to the next need to pee to the next need to eat and all that kind of stuff without any justification. And often I'll be saying to myself, what's so important that I need to pee? (laughs) You know, having any sort of sense of self is like, you know, just the idea that a human can conceptualize beyond just the things that keep you alive. You can decide that I'm a person with a personality and I'm this you know, autonomous being that exists amongst these other people. And I have ideas and opinions and they matter to someone other than me. It's like, it's a very interesting thing. And and yet here we are right. as artists who have the, the nerve to put our stuff out and then that, like turn our nose up at what they think about it. 
No, especially with the sort of stuff. Well, that, stuff that we're doing right now, which is uh, the work that, that I do specifically is always second to second. I, <laughs> I came up feeling like I'm not really a drummer. Everything I do is abstracted out into some sort of non-physical thing. So it's like you look at the way Ron approaches music. Right. He learns things because somebody says, here, they'll email him a piece of music, say, learn this and then show up at this certain place at a certain time. And he'll sit there with these charts, draw these little lines, and break down the math so he can get the timing perfect on this avant-garde neoclassical insane shit. You'll have to ask him sometime. Does he feel like as big of a fraud as I do, or does that whole thing buttress his reality so that he feels like he can put his pants on in the morning? Yeah, I think it's both for him sometimes. The vibe I get is it like, it's almost like he straddles the fence. There's something about his hilarious vampire brain that keeps him like you know in the moment right right and he can almost get away from himself but he's so you know ensconced in the learned aspects of music and the whole different end of it you know i actually think it's impressive how close to getting away from it entirely that he can get it. maybe he is getting away from it entirely i'm not certain i also don't really give a fuck but like the fact that he can do both. The last time he came to visit us in Phoenix, circumstances made it so that he had to leave his equipment behind. So I made him play this beat up out of tune piano that he wasn't used to, to right. see what he could do just to try to get him out of his skin. Now, I don't know if that's satisfying to him. Some of the stuff that we did with that out of tune piano is pretty cosmic. His ability to take any little thing he's given and interpret it into something viable is one of the first things I noticed about him when he first came out to Phoenix to jam with Chris way back when. He had a bullshit fake little keyboard he was playing. Maybe something Chris had or I don't even know, but bullshit. I mean, Casio. So yeah, right. And the dude made really cool shit happen. Like he just immediately falls into it, you know, so he has a nice ability to adapt <laughs> as exceptional a musician as him to take fake instrument almost and be able to make that like something that you can get down with well i try to do that as well in the sense that like i want to we want to save money by renting equipment and some of the kits that i played have been really cruddy but you remember the kit that that we were playing with um ah uh, yes micah particle kit and the kit that they had was like Oh, I see. Your appreciation of independent music and alternative styles allows you to play like a shoebox. Right, right, right. And I was like, I'm going to play a shoebox tonight. <laughs> okay. But then Ron feels like he has to drag a whole carload of stuff with him in order to feel like he's going to get his thing. And I always want to say, bring the Casio. I like, you know what I like? I like his organ because mm -hmm. I like an organ with rock music. I think it sounds cool. And I think it's actually a suiting instrument for a lot of meat puppet stuff. It's a good bed. But to me, like, I'm simple with the keyboard stuff. It doesn't need to be a bunch of crap. I like cheesy sounds off of that shit. I think they're cheesy anyway, so if you're going to use it, get in where you fit in sort of thing. I also understand the want to like have this bevy of nonsense that you can call from, but again, I start playing with Kurt. He also has a bevy of nonsense. <laughs> right. So like, I stripped down my crap when I started playing with him. I just started playing with a wah pedal again around the time you came back around, you know? I didn't even use one for years. It's like my favorite thing, but I figured... Kurt uses Wah a lot. I won't do it. Kurt uses a Les Paul. I'll use a Stratocaster, which I never played. Like, I switched up my shit quite a bit. But if you listen to the music too closely, the fraud aspect comes out. Only when you add that X factor, which oh, yeah. involves what we were talking about before, which is like the incongruousness of people out there watching it 
their expectations of what we're trying to do and our inherent failure as human beings to do anything other than what we're doing at that particular moment because we can't do anything but what we're doing right now. And when you're suddenly locked into a situation where you're like going, I'm trapped, woohoo! There are a lot of people out there who don't like being trapped. There's a lot of people out there who would try to tell you that it's a moral and political and social failing that John Wayne Gacy was able to trap young people in his basement. But I would tell you that being trapped is the pinnacle state of humanity. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like the main tenet of culture, right? No one asked to be born. No one signs some fucking agreement about these rules we have to follow or these like... Sometimes we don't even know what they are. Well, I have no idea what any of them are. And I, there's also these universal truths that people believe in, but that's also circumstantial. I think people are just trying to make a buck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the longest time, people were just trying to fucking survive, right? Well, that's the other part of it. It's like all of the people, you could line them up from one end to another. You'd probably get some duplicates in there. But you could start at one end with the person who has the least amount of money and go all the way in a straight line to the person who has the most amount of money. They're all supposedly Americans, but there's some cutoff line where certain people would tell you that beyond which that line is okay or not okay. And yet that presumes that there's something to be achieved, and I guess they call it the American dream. Right. But ultimately, doesn't that just involve being able to buy more stuff, certainly we would like to avoid disease. But then there are people who have enough money and still court disease. Oh, are those people un-American? Yeah. This prescribed lifestyle was something that, even as a child, I thought was funny. I remember being a kid and thinking to myself, why the fuck are there breakfast foods? What does it matter what time you eat? What goddamn food? Like, you know, it's, I just... This doesn't make sense. What sort of breakfast foods are we talking about here? I don't even know. Man. Brownies? I just, I guess the idea that like in the morning time, the children like their cereal with the cow milk or they like eggs and bacon and toast, whatever the hell people like. And I thought that was odd. And then that segued almost immediately into something that to me makes a lot of sense, but crossing the border into Mexico by car. Yeah. And I realized that it's the same goddamn thing yet people have found this way to separate right and it's like those are them we are us there they like to have shrimps for breakfast <laughs> it's the star belly sneeches thing right and i was really even as a kid i just i couldn't reconcile how easy it was for people to just decide things are one way without any real like you know critical thinking and to just like proceed forward from there you got to figure that everybody starts out, I mean, start out at each second, not at the beginning of their birth, but right. as they move along right, right, from right. second to second, completely blind, searching around for some sort of a touch point to allow them to move to the next second. And all they have to go by is external stuff. Or is it internal stuff? I mean, a lot of times, like especially when I haven't gotten enough sleep, which is increasingly often, I'm like struggling to reconcile the external and the internal, which is to say that I'm being pushed forward internally and held back externally. <laughs> We've parsed out our existence into this time thing, right? Because we die. We know we die. Yeah. So we create time 
so we can keep score at any given moment right, as to right, see right. whether or not we're we're getting anywhere. Well, maybe it was in Slaughterhouse Five, some Vonnegut shit where he explains time as you listen. Billy Pilgrim has become unstuck in time. <laughs> I thought that was a good one. But what he's actually telling you is he's a big drunk and he's running into some serious problems with his life because he's a failed novelist writing shitty science fiction stories. Right. So Vonnegut became unstuck in time because he had this very traumatic episode in his life. With the firebombing of Dresden. Yeah, and he had this thing pushing at his head, uh, not to mention, like a lot of your curmudgeonly authors of that time, he was ruining the lives of everybody who loved him. Which is what they're supposed to do, though. Like That's an author's job. I remember reading Tropic of Cancer in high school, because yeah. someone was like, check out Henry Miller, and largely I thought it was bullshit. Yeah. What I got out of it was someone that had a semi-interesting way with words, right? But largely I realized, oh, okay. This is absolutely self-indulgent. You've left the United States and you've gone somewhere else to explore what a fuck up you can be elsewhere. And it seems that that's this common thread. And it's funny because that's supposed to be counterculture. Or right. That's anybody outside of the confines of getting stuck into a lifestyle. You, you take any man, I mean human, away from what their comforts are. And it's going to be pretty much the same thing different words maybe but it's all the same you know i'm experiencing myself now like if you're striving you're either out of your comfort zone in which case you're suffering or else you're feeling guilty for not getting out of your comfort zone therefore you're suffering which brings us back to social media is everybody's a fucking artist oh yeah everybody gets to post their favorite clip from their favorite television show they deserve to be showered with praise well, yeah, when you've created... Well, what is an artist anymore, right? right? So you take your taste, whatever that is, you decide what you want people to see as your output, and then they can interpret that the way you want, but they get to give it like a click and tell you what they fucking think about it, right? In the moment, it expedites the entire process that used to be like this experience of like, here I am, I have this conceptual prowess and I want to put something out there for people. Now it's just like people can shit out whatever the fuck they want. And if you've done something that outside of the immediacy of what your social media reality is, then it elevates you to certain people to this next rung of whatever the fuck they think that is, which gets back to the like being in a band that people have decided what is right right for me it's like people's perception of it is is you play in your dad's band which to me it's like well i work with my family right to keep the farm going right so like i get this cross section which is the people that think it's really cool you know <laughs> the people that have no idea which is the best and then there are the people that for whatever reason a platform would be able to tell me that right you're this thing which could be you don't deserve it you haven't earned it or you just do this or you're spoiled, you're lucky, Coat tells us that, the other end. Every single one of them is right in their own way because I don't decide for you what's right or They're wrong. They're there. Yeah, and nor do I care whether you're right or wrong, especially in regard to me because I have my own opinions about myself, but I also don't buy my own bullshit. What you want is somebody whose bullshit sparks an interesting response in yourself. <laughs> right. So starting a band... And having my own band and immediately knowing that like all right you're never going to fully exist on your own because of because of the the greatness of bostrom's band that was one thing then joining the band right which for the longest time i even before i did the first tour i told kurt i was like listen i'll come play and we'll do this tour i was like but if it sucks i'm not going to do it again i'm not i don't want to be 
that. So it becomes cool. And I still, for years, was like, no, I don't want to be in your band. I don't play on your tours. I'm not going to play on your records, really. I don't want to be in photos. And then Ron showed up. And then Ron shows up. And all of a sudden, my ego starts to tug at my ponytail. And it's like, wait a minute. This fucking riffraff from the Rocky Horror Picture Show is going to come and stomp all over my toes. And be in your band? <laughs> but the timing was right. And, you know, we cut some fat here and there. And uh, all of a sudden, I realized... The way the band is now, like, I am a part of this band. It doesn't sound quite the same. And when you came back, all of a sudden, it's like, well, holy shit. Now this actually sounds like the Meat Puppets again, which made it even weirder because it's like, <laughs> well, now where do I fit into this? But it works, and it worked really well. And when we did in the studio, it was so natural and so easy, especially when you came in and put those drum tracks down, which I thought was fucking amazing. I mean, just hearing what you put down on the drums was funny because... Kurt and I started off like, you know, just with click tracks. We put down acoustic guitars. He'd go in there and play the song. I'd listen to him. I didn't know any of this crap. And where he would kind of do his more like, you know, he had his strumming patterns. You hear I'd come in there and just hit on the two and the four or the one and the three, right? Real simple. That's the thing about Kurt. He wants to be very structured. He doesn't like to take a lot of chances. Right. He's not the kind of guy who'll sit you down and say, this is my goal for this project. But once it's done, you can really see. Yeah. Despite the fact that feels very much without a net when he's trying to pull something together and yet it comes out just right to me. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> this is a very interesting experience I had with the making of that album is that the guitars sounded off. Things sounded like weird and like just timing was like, right. Like, and when you put drums down, all of a sudden everything fit. And I guess it was a very interesting way to approach an art project. Right. And it was real natural. I like to play with uh, your dad and his brother. You know, when, when the trio stopped, I put the drums away. Oh, and yeah. it's just like that. There's those um, mistakes that we all make together yes. that make it fit. And then the words come in, and you're like, well, none of this music even matters. Well, first of all, the die is cast with the meat puppets. People are going to think what they want. Nobody is ever going to care. At best, you can hope that some corporation puts your music in the bed of one of their ads. Nobody hears it at all, but you get the money. Right. But as far as what people take away from it, I haven't met a single person outside of this band that takes away from it what I take away from it. Yeah, but it would be impossible for them yeah. to take away what, it, particularly what you would take away from it. Because my interpretation of the Bostrom is this is all art. You're the way you approach drumming. You're like an idiot savant, you know what I mean? But you're also really fucking smart. With the drums, it's bizarre. You get in some really special shit. And seeing you guys all play together for the first time again at that uh, Arizona you know, Arts and Music Hall of Fame thing was fucking wild. Because I told you this recently, but you're, you guys are jamming on Touchdown King. And it's in the middle of something, you just dropped it to halftime. And it sounded so much like the Meat Puppets. Something I hadn't heard since I was a kid. And it was like, oh, whoa, that's the band. That's the Meat Puppets. Like this other thing we've been doing with a different drummer and with me was a neat band. And it had some cool points. We did some neat stuff. and We played Meat Puppets songs. But it's like any other thing Kurt's done that doesn't like it. Meat Puppets has to be for real to be, you know, the essence of it. The three of you guys. Kurt's not driven. We're, we're both driven. And we're, we're fortunate enough to be driven in the same direction with the same project. But Kurt will take a whole lot of different stuff. He's oh, not yeah. committed to one thing or another. I, on the other hand, am, due to my own lack of resources, committed to something rather specific. Yeah, but it's awesome. And it's, it's, it's that thing. It's so unique. And it's so unto itself. 
Hey guys, are you tired of ads that claim to be targeting you algorithmically yet leave you vaguely unfulfilled as a consumer? Are the ads that intrude upon your content feeds making you feel not sufficiently seen? Maybe it's time you tried our advertisements. This is our promise to you. All ads for Meat Puppets and Meat Puppets adjacent products will be 100% of interest to all Meat Puppets fans. Swing on over to themeatpuppets.com store for information on how to find records, t-shirts, audio downloads, and other crazy shit, and see if you don't agree. Getting back to the subject of other people for a second. Yes. Um, there was another incident on the social media that I participated in against my better judgment that astounded me and delighted me and horrified me at all the same time. Um, <laughs> so this was on the Facebook, uh, another Phoenix forum, because that's what I like to look at is, is Phoenix stuff. Yeah, that's where I am. Stuff. And somebody posted a picture of Elvis in Phoenix in 1973 when he came to town and did the show. Right. Anyway, some chick comes on and goes, he has a couple of good songs, but he's a reprehensible human being. And I was just like going, well, of course he's reprehensible. Aren't we all reprehensible? And I just wanted to say to her, good work. Keep us posted. <laughs> wow. You figure that out all on your own? Yeah. I'm feeling edified in a way that I'm usually not here. You have fed my brain and my soul. And I was just like, well, a, a great rock and roll artist must be shambolic in certain ways. If nothing else, the king managed to at least get as good as he gave. He certainly gave himself a lot of misery. He liked certain things. He liked peanut butter sandwiches, apparently. But, peanut butter and banana. But he didn't right. necessarily... What Elvis really liked to do, especially in later life with his ladies was he like to get in bed, take a bunch of drugs and fall asleep and have them put on pajamas and sit in a chair next to him and watch over him while he was sleeping. I can't think of a more beautiful congress or union between two human beings than having a near middle-aged, overweight, hick-ass, drug addict pass out in his jam jams with a beautiful friend next to him to make sure... He doesn't choke to death on that peanut butter and banana fried sandwich. But uh, <laughs> one of the things I've always loved about rock and roll in particular from the fucking get-go with like Little Richard, right? This dude is wearing makeup and he's screaming. And then Elvis is dyeing his hair and wearing makeup. He's real feminine. It's like this Lord Byron thing, right? Where it's like this historic thing where there's like there's manliness, right? But... What really kind of tickles people is this when the man calls from the other thing and like the androgyny or like where Bowie took it to the whole next thing. But like, I like that part of rock and roll. I like the lying of rock and roll. They call it like, you know, the fables or whatever, the mythology. No, it's lies. And it's awesome lies. It's all a fucking act. A lot of rock and roll is seduction music that is designed to trick the listener into having sex with the artist. Right, right, right. The stupid lies about the, the heart and whatnot. And, and all of it. Dancing, all love. The, the renaming, the costuming. Times are fucking always changing, and at the same time, things always stay the same. Everything's real fluid while it's also really fucking... And cyclical. Yeah, exactly, so... I'm only just trying to make light of the situation, right. because it's going to take a lot for society to mend its ways, right? It's, it's going to take a lot... For humanity to reach the promised land it's not reachable right because it doesn't exist you have to be able to approach and appreciate the madness as well you gotta understand the uh transcendental nature of fucked upness you engage with something because it's fucked up an artist like elvis can only be appreciated as a fucked up thing and if you can't find a way to hold the two opposites simultaneously he dyed his hair wore makeup and wore like Pachuco fucking zoot suits. And he wore macrame yeah. in front of other people. Fat Elvis is one of the best things ever. How old was the king when he died? 42. 
Okay, I'll be 40 this year. Uh-oh. I am about to kimono it to the fucking end, <laughs> man. Um, I had a funny thing happen to me once. I got tagged in a comment on Facebook. I didn't understand the context of the thread it was in, so I go back to the original post. This is embarrassing. It's, who's the most famous person you've ever talked to, right? And someone tags me. The person needs to get out more. I was embarrassed for myself, not for them, for myself. I thought to myself, I'm not famous. You are famous. <laughs> My buddy Jason that passed away, he used to tell me, you're a fucking rock star. You just don't know it. And I'd be like, I'm not, though. I play in a band, blah, blah, blah. He'd be like, see, you overthink it in a different way. If you saw it from the way that people see it who don't do what you do or didn't grow up like you do, it doesn't matter that you're not this or that. It doesn't matter that you haven't made a dime from it. Right, right. Exactly. And that's what I always tell him. I'm like, well, where's the lifestyle to come along with it? He goes, you do have the lifestyle. You do whatever the fuck you want, man. You travel all over and you're a freak, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you're right. And that's what gets back to what I was saying earlier. It's like people see us the way they want to see us. Right. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but it does get me into trouble occasionally. Oh, yeah. I realized in the last several years, I've never put too much overtly uh, political prattle up, right? That's not a thing I do now. I do to a certain extent. Usually I think it's more social, cultural issues. That's the way I see it. Honestly, I'd be hard-pressed to say, like, you could find where I talk about what my actual political leanings are online. I don't. I'd say, if you know me, some of it's obvious. You know what I mean? I think a lot of it's obvious. You know, I'm... I'm <laughs> but I'll put stuff up that I think exists far outside of, like, you know, any political fucking parameters. And people will get upset because they think I'm, you know, like preaching some political opinion, right? Which I feel has been entirely ascribed to me inappropriately because I'm seeing this as just a human thing. And it's always that I'm some lefty idealist. Well, you idealist. are ultimately a left. I am, certainly. Like, less so in the modern neo-leftism sense if we're going to start tagging shit because I've had a lot of these people tell me I'm an absolute piece of shit because my process of living a free life is not having to be told what I can and can't say. Which is not necessarily a left idea. Right. Depends on what it's for. Obviously, I think it's circumstantial. It's neither here nor there. It's been really interesting to have people flip out and tell me, like, your stupid opinions are going to hurt the band, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Because The you band is a lost cause, friends. I'm like, hurt the band. I'm like, so you mean next time we come to fucking shitberg there'll be six uh, people instead of seven right like because you and your fucking common law husband are confused about me not liking cops shooting people i'm having a moment where i whatever my fucking trip is is decided that my sensitivities have led me here where i will share my opinion about this though i know it means fucking nothing I guess it's cathartic. Probably not. I have no idea what it is. I don't dive that deep into my ego when it comes to that crap. I am not a victim, but I am a participant in the culture that I live in. And uh, it's just so interesting having people flip out on me being like, you and your preachy lefty bullshit. And like someone was like freaking out on me saying that I like talk all this anti-Trump shit. But go look through my stuff. I don't think I've ever said anything about the dude. I don't talk about the guy. I don't. I never did. I didn't like him when he was a TV star. He doesn't appeal to me as a person. He's funny when he says funny shit. When that crosses the line into being stuff that I find like 
polarizing culturally to a point where people are doing crazy shit. That's less funny. It's still funny. It's really funny <laughs> in a way that sucks, right? Where you're going, objectively, this is fucking hilarious. Humans are fucking so stupid. But at the same time, I'm sitting there going, but it's bad. And like, you know, he's inciting bad. And no, blah, it's blah. just that he's ugly and stupid. Stupid and a, and a fucking know-it-all blowhard. And, but a lot of people are. I'm also a stupid know-it-all blowhard. So I just thought it was interesting that people decided what I thought politically because of some things I wrote about cops a couple times. Or like that, uh, who was that rat uh, that got put on that, that judge, that Supreme Court guy, the boofing guy, the, the crying. <laughs> I never did that. The dude's totally full of shit, very fucking clearly. You, you'll, you'll get me commenting on that, which to me is just, I'm making light of someone who I think is ridiculous. That could be any person for any reason. The Trump thing is funny. It always has been funny. It's weird when it becomes bad, when there's civil unrest and people start doing crazy shit and using that as an excuse. Bad for lack of a better term in context to what gets me to my chicken dinner with the path of least resistance, right? And I believe that that does create the most minor resistance even in my life just by fucking having to hear about it, just by having to even pretend not pretend but to show like okay i have to pick a fucking side here like because it gets to the point sometimes where i almost feel like my hand is forced to where i do have to say no i don't dig that this is what i dig okay well, is we're that talking about cool? social media again still <laughs> of course right because, because outside of that i'm just a dude and i'm a i'm actually a pretty friendly guy and i'm chatty like i get along with most fucking people you know what i mean in spite of myself i don't want to it's just who the fuck I am. I get that from my mom, who's overly friendly, and my dad, who's polite. So you mix <laughs> these things together, you know, and I think largely I keep my shit to myself. This, this, that's been the problem my whole life is that I want to be by myself, and I don't want to fucking hear sounds. I don't want anything. I just want to be, like, in a dark, quiet room, you know, existing, whatever or not. Fuck it. But then this other part of me loves the engagement of being with and around other people. And I think more than loves it, I think it feels like it needs it. I get overstimulated when there's too many people around, so I make a fucking asshole of myself, right? And I talk too much. <laughs> and then my brain's telling me, you don't like this. So all it really turns out to be is this big fucking roundabout ego stroke to where I'm trying to justify my edginess. Like, you don't really dig this when it's like... But you're doing it, so shut the fuck up. Why are you even talking about it? Why do you conceptualize the things that you do? Oh, you don't like people, but you need to talk to them. You don't want attention, but you're addicted to attention. Like It's because of your upbringing. Well, I had a lysergic youth. That's the best way I've always described it. <laughs> yeah. you know, being around the art, and you all as artists and my mother, you know what I mean? Who's And we weren't just art. We were um, criminals. You guys, for lack of a better term, if art is the term we're going to use, you guys are you're pushing the boundaries and you're taking things that are reasonable and you're being unreasonable so you can sort out how you want to push humanity, which is in your little tribe, forward. You create that. That's the conceptual prowess, which, again, lends to any amount of deviance. It has to because you're never going to make things go forward without it. That being what I'm bred into, right? It's just been a trip. I, when we were in Belgium, 
one of those nights we drove kind of out of the little city and we stayed at that weird like little hotel bed and breakfast thing out in the country and i went walking yeah. in the morning and there were all these like there were these farms and uh this horse came up to be this giant horse that was i was petting it and i was taking pictures with it but this thing was so calm and it just came over and like i was having myself a moment right like it was sunny finally i had some coffee i was feeling good i had a little bit of smoke and it was real peaceful and uh I remember feeling really good about it, and I'm, I, I continue to walk around, and I get out of the farm area, and I'm in this neighborhood with these really interesting houses. Clearly, we're in Europe, right? So I took a picture of this one house just because it was so neat from kind of far away, and I continue to walk down the street, and all of a sudden, I hear this tromping, and it's running, and it comes up behind me. I hear yelling, and I turn around, and there's this incredible, like, six-foot-five dude with the most intense face. Almost looks like Van Damme, but with like steel blue eyes, a little bit more decidedly European. He's got his daughter with him who looks to be pre-adolescent, but is also damn near my height. <laughs> and he's flipping out. I don't know why, right? And uh, he thinks that I'm casing the neighborhood. And uh, here I am, the ugly American, baffled. And I'm like, whoa, I was like, I'm really sorry. But I explained to him, I'm a foreigner. I'm here, like, you know, uh, working, essentially. You know, that's what I just, you know, I leave it at that. And I'm staying right there. And he immediately chills the fuck out and explains, blah, 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 why he's upset. <laughs> and I just thought it was so funny because I'd gone from, like, this moment with this horse where I'm hippieing out to the, just the fullest hippie, like, to having giant Jean-Claude Van Damme scream at me while his child stares at me hatefully. And I thought the interesting thing about it was his approach to it was very direct. And the, the listening part was neat because he just he immediately was like, okay. And I also understand that at the time I had very long hair and uh, was wearing a, a hoodie with the hood up. And it's <laughs> that's kind of like the only place that's ever happened to me. I've had someone just like trip out on me for walking around. Really? Jesus. Me in public is... Very harmless. Like once you started wearing uh, glasses, you, you it had a humanizing effect. Oh on you. my lord, did it ever too! Yeah. So I started wearing glasses, and I also started to like age in the face. About that same year, like the unhandsoming began of me, which is cool. I don't give two shits, but it was very clear. Like I see photos of myself from 2019, and I'm like still handsome. And then you look over the next couple years, and it's like. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious i uh what we were talking about a minute ago though like say a band like they might be giants once you uh brian dellinger and i when we started kirkwood dellinger that's all it was it was just a recording project because yep. a kid we knew did some crazy shit and we decided to make an album about it like a fable <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and it turned out to be really good it we fed off each other and became better they became better songwriters and we were able to really understand artistically where we were going because we were very different musicians and different artists coming together was very interesting because we both really realized oh we're writing a different level of stuff now and, and it's very different and he's so, sitting like oh, they're going finally i got somebody who has a good guitarist who i can <laughs> right? use well that, that that's true though too because he'd be like anytime he wanted some like crazy shit he'd be like do that crazy stuff and i'm like yeah yeah and i got someone who could like write fucking songs that inspired me to write different songs and uh so we make this really cool album. We put it online. This is 2006 or something. So like MySpace is still pretty new. It's a different world, but it's changing. And the way you get your band found out about, it's very different. And it's all this whole new world. So we're 
existing in this modern thing at the time modern, but still trying to take an old school approach to it. Like we want to be our art project. That's all we cared about. And we didn't want to like, you know, do the crap that people were doing. Like I had grown up seeing the way you guys struggled through it and just that aspect of it, which is to me would be what you'd be inclined towards because that's what I know which is very hard during that period of time. And there are still other people that were still like into that shit, just like there still is now. You know what I mean? So I always noticed it was weird. Like people would hit us up, these fanzines and like cool shit. And I was like, I thought that was the coolest part of it. Right. Well, everybody else is like careering or trying, you know what I mean? Which of course I wanted to do, but at the same time I didn't when I saw what that was so now. What you're saying is since you weren't a band, you were like, well, fuck it. Let's just put this online. Right. And you tapped into something that was moving into that realm. And suddenly, even though you weren't a band and you weren't careering right. because only because you weren't a band, did you go ahead and put it online uh -huh. and you were positioned in such a way to where that was being taken more seriously than people who were doing it the old way. And next thing you know, you're mushrooming to something that you hadn't expected. Right. And, and then, then you had to start a band. Exactly. <laughs> so then we put a band together, right? Which is very different than what the recordings were. Very different. And there was a lot of like weirdness because people were coming to our shows and we we're getting a lot of shows and we we're getting local write-ups and stuff, which was really cool. Seeing us as a band, a gigging band around town, which wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do, but I did at the same time because it's fun. Sure. There was very little crossover, in my opinion, between what the project was supposed to be. So we transform a little bit. We get Brian's little sister to be in the band and stuff so we could fill it out. And we make our second thing, which is a mix of the first thing and then what we were live. So we had become, at that point, we did have a good live thing going on. And like, that was a good period for that band. Brian's sister ends up quitting, which she could play any instrument and sing while she did it. So trying to find someone else to do that, we were hard pressed. And you can't go back to being just a project anymore. Right, That's the right, problem. Right. So it just morphed into something it wasn't supposed to because we had found that we had succumbed to, instead of just keeping it what it was supposed to be, we wanted to like have it both ways. And I think there's also a big difference between someone who is capable creatively of, you know, producing good live material yeah versus i can make a really bitching record and i can make this stuff versus i can go out and play gigs and tour and actually do this be in a band a working band it's not the same thing at all i realized with my band that these dudes are awesome players right and artistically we do share a lot of like the same taste right blah 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 but when it comes down to what it means to be not a musician but a working musician not very many people are actually built for that part of it because it requires you to really fuck off. You have to be able to hold on to it very, very lightly yeah. because every person on the team has to see it differently exactly. because of the nature of things. But if you can all get together and at least show up at the same time mm -hmm. and play at the same time, and that's what's cool about the Meat Puppets is because when we're playing Kurt's songs, you're going to find me trying to play as little as possible because it's all coming from the inside. Right, right. The more of myself I put onto it, the more I will wreck it. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, no, I get that. Like, I've, my process of being in this band. Well, okay, first of all, any band I've been in before this is my band. Exactly. It's not my band. I'm not the lead guitar player. And at first, I was definitely not the lead guitar player. But you have player. more freedom 
in a band that's not your own. Absolutely. Very rarely am I playing parts that Kurt wrote as the corresponding guitar parts that are on the records. On some of the stuff, of course, because there's not much to do. But like, if you listen to what I'm playing on, most of the shit is just what I wrote to play it live. It's not the same as what's on the record. No. I don't know what the fuck he's playing on the records. Like, some of it, obviously, some of it is. But a lot of it's just my interpretation of what's going to work best live. So I that was a process for me of... One, figuring out what it was, what it was to me, what works for me, and then what works on a larger sense, and then what appeals to people, really, really leaving behind a lot of your identity. Right. Because you have to sacrifice that to be a participant in a thing that is a unit. Yeah, and it's really fucking cool. Here's here's a funny thing. So someone was messaging me on um, on social media. And it was uh, someone that's a fan, but someone who I've talked to for like, who's been hitting me up for years, right? Um, is telling me uh, about like you being back in the band and he's saying something about you being a lefty and you're drumming, he's a lefty. And I'm like, well, he's not a lefty. He just doesn't cross sticks. And he goes, no, I meant his politics. I'm like, oh, I'm like, how do I get out of this conversation? No, I think my response was like, I, I think I said like, I think Bostrom exists way beyond no matter how pragmatic you are in the way you perceive reality and the way you live in the world, you can't help yourself but to be a full-on surrealist. It's just you can't – you either are or you aren't. That's just the way the world works. You know, yep. Some people are really stuck in the mud and other people aren't, and you're just not. You never will be. As much as parts of you might seem like you are, you're not. You could trick people because – you're still word Bostrom, right? You're articulate, and you're smart, and you have like, you know, a good cache of knowledge when it comes to many things, right? And there's a way you conduct yourself and I, you're I, a fucking freak. I have a proscenium that, that keeps me from getting my ass beat most of the times. But I did come close once, and that was when I transgressed the unwritten law of leftism when I suggested to uh to D Boone that politics was a, a poor substitute for talent and that oh, uh shit. And that the uh, that that writing songs about political matter was just a capitulation of the fact you have nothing to say, and some dude uh, turns to me who's like a fan of the Minutemen, and he goes, "We'll be coming for you, come the revolution." Oh, <laughs> and I was so just, so someone who's 100- that just means he doesn't have the courage to beat me up right then and there. It also means he has no he doesn't have not beyond courage he doesn't have the fucking app actual brain to understand a word that's coming right. out of your mouth. Right, of course. He, well, he's taking, neither do I. But you know better. Uh-huh. See, to I don't him, beat myself. His up. lack of knowledge and your ability to shape things in a way that confronts his lack of knowledge to him, he conflates as an affront to his reality, which he's decided he has. So this is a person who buys their own bullshit, right? No, he buys the Minutemen's bullshit. Right, but that's what I'm saying is, it's their bullshit. But now he's he's owning that bullshit. So it's his own bullshit, and he takes himself seriously. Yeah. So should have beat me up then. She should have, right? Because it really would have proven his it political it, ethos. It would have helped uh, crystallize in him what he actually feels about me. Right. But like you said, it's the cowardice there, coupled with his hilarious insecurity, which again turns your opinions or beyond opinion, just the gratuitous prattle that you've exposed him to has now become an affront to his lifestyle, which is him. His opinions are his persona, and his persona are 
his ethics. And his ethics dictate his very being, right? It's these people who, <laughs> who listen, they're, they're, they're so wanting to be told how to live, but they think they're counterculture still. And they so think that they need to do the right thing. Because they think they know what's right. And then they get real bummed out when the other side thinks they know what's right because they have the inability to realize that they can't confront themselves. They can't reconcile with themselves whatever does or doesn't need to be reconciled. So when confronted with it from the opposition, well, the monkey gets very confused and it just <laughs> needs to bash into the wall because you're realizing you're all the same thing. We're all human beings. So at the core of it, you're my brother, but you're so stuck on thinking about things and thinking that those thinkings are things. Yeah. Outside right. of the thinking <laughs> right. things. You think it's a tangible thing you can yep. pick up and throw at me. Well, then do it, man. Right? But how often do they? Well, most people don't. Eudaimonia. It can be defined as a feeling of fulfillment derived from the pursuit of well-reasoned action in service of one's potential, or something like that. Better to let the music do the explaining. Oh, I forgot. Music never explains. Recorded live over a few days in June 2023, Best Behavior is a collection of seven tracks improvised by Chris, Derek, Elmo, and Ron of the Meat Puppets. The piano-driven instrumental selections touch on free jazz, psychedelic jam, funk, fusion, prog, ambient, and the stylings that are uniquely their own sound. Best Behavior by the Eudaimonics is now available on Bandcamp. All proceeds go towards us being able to continue making music to share with a lot of you. Head on over to bostwood.bandcamp.com and see what you think. We hope you dig what you hear. The thing that struck me about when I got back on tour with you is uh, having fuckholes come backstage. You have a different way of hating it, but you do <laughs> hate it. What I always used to do forever was just leave. But you would stand your ground and just like, you know, scream at people to get the fuck out. And uh, it delighted and impressed me. Because people flock to us like it's a party. Right. A lot of artists you'll go and see, you'll never get near them. And then not. suddenly people find themselves in the same area with us and their mind is blown because suddenly it's an unreal experience for them to be around us. Um, I think if the average fucker came up to you in a dark alley late at night, they might go, yeah, this guy is big. I think I'm going to like run away. <laughs> so when somebody sees you backstage after seeing you on stage... You are larger than life. <laughs> right. And so the average person, when they are around... You know what? You're right. They don't know how to behave. You forget that you're, you're not you. Because <laughs> you're not you. 